on this episode, we talk about a book that, well, it's kind of not quite a book. It looks like one, it sounds like one, but it ain't. We also wanted to riff on oh, the joys of toxic friends, the joys of complicated friends, and how much they frustrate and thrill us on the small screen. And we also wanted to write a love letter or 50 to great music. Plus, we have a good old grizzle in the moan zone. Well, welcome to episode two of the No Book Book Club podcast. <laughs> um, I'm Rowena Murray, otherwise known as Ro. I've been told off for being Good. too formal. We have Beck Lewis, otherwise known as Rebecca Lewis. <laughs> oh, and it hurts. Cess, who's Cecilia Ramsdale. Yes. Welcome to the show. And if the name gives you a heckin' confuse, it probably should. <laughs> Books take a lot of time, effort, and there seems to be deadlines involved when you have a book mm-hmm. club. So we decided to throw all that to the wind and talk about whatever is taking our fancy this week. Whether we stream it, game it, talk about it, listen to it, we're here to pick it apart. Enjoy. Ah, welcome. Here we are. We made it to a second episode, which is always a good thing because, let's face it, when you make podcasts, the idea might be there, but actually making it is the hard <laughs> bit. Well, coordinating our diaries has been the <laughs> Oh, my God, I know. Who would have thought oh, to three mm. busy women could be so busy? Oh, well, you know, <laughs> different kind of schedules, hey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so we start off our podcast with something that has been in the news this week or something that everyone's been talking about. And the thing that kind of popped up for us this week was, was, well, I guess it was a bit of a storm in a teacup, really. It was an airline in Europe that has proposed an adults-only part of the plane for kids 16 and over, or adults 16 and over, I guess you'd say. And it got me thinking, I mean, it's had a bit of a reaction because some people are like, yeah, great idea, adults-only plane, we should just get rid of kids off planes altogether. You know, other people are like, oh, why? Surely the adults behave worse on planes than the kids. So what do you reckon? Oh, I think it's a really, really loaded one because the moment we take our personal comfort out of the conversation, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's classist, it's ableist, yeah. it's probably sexist because women are the main caregivers. And the reality is, is that kids do need to travel and they need to be able to travel at a whole range of price points. Um, but Good boy, point. it's still really fun to put the boot into stuff like this. And <laughs> the thing that's amused me enormously about this whole conversation is um, I was doom scrolling and wasting my life on TikTok. <laughs> last night (laughs) and I saw this hysterical video of this quite small child, maybe four-ish, three-ish, four-ish, that had this white light up like suit with (laughs) multicoloured flashing lights and uh, this child's parents had taken it on some sort of an overnight, probably international flight and the lights were off. In an LED jumpsuit. In an LED jumpsuit. Wow. Doing, doing and all the other passengers were just like looking like meerkats, like what is going on over there? Why can't I sleep? The melatonin's not kicking in. And I do think that kind of stuff is beyond antisocial. Um, but yeah. gee, it was really, really funny. Um, good TikTok fodder. Oh, it's great TikTok fodder. But that is a real extreme, isn't it? It is. I mean, who are the people that are going to take their child on an overnight flight and make it as visible and in your face and obnoxious as possible? Assholes. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're going to ha- they're going to be there whether they've got kids or not, let's face it. Mm. Well, I have kids, so I'm going to not weigh in yet. What do, do you, you reckon, Beck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm old enough apparently. 
No, I'm interested. I, I'm interested to hear your opinion first. Well, I'll chime uh, in at the end. Okay, I think it's interesting <laughs> because it sounds to me just like business class anyway. Yeah. Like not many people are taking their kids into business class, and if they are, they're probably the kind of kids that are going to behave because you know their parents have forked out lots of money or frequent flyer points to get there and mm. they don't want to risk their status. So they're not going to be mucking around anyway. Mm. Mm. Um, but I've done tons of travel with my kids on planes. A lot of that is because we have family around the country, but also because I love travel. Mm. And mm. when I had kids, I was like, I'm not staying home because I have little people. And they, in the first two years, you can take your baby for free as long mm. as they don't take a seat. So we went everywhere. Yeah, and we had this up. system where we would get on the plane, I'd feed him, and then he would fall asleep and he would just literally be asleep for the whole trip. Yeah. A girlfriend of mine, she's got a six-year-old daughter mm. and she's Irish. She um, came over here for a holiday about 10 years ago and has stayed here. Yeah. She's a single mum and Australia is her home now. But, um, yeah, she flew her daughter um, back to Ireland um, and they took an extended trip. So it's the second time her daughter's travelled and her daughter's um, got a touch of the neurodivergency and is a little bit prone to meltdowns that she's not really in control of. Yeah. And I can't imagine how challenging that yeah. was for my friend, mm. um, knowing that she's got a lot of triggers, all that kind of stuff. But they're pretty isolated out here. While they do have a friendship circle, there is no family yeah. out here. And it's really important that they can go back reasonably regularly. Mm. And so that, you know, her daughter grows up knowing her cousins and knowing her aunts and uncles and her grandparents. Yeah. Like, it is really Makes critical sense. that people can travel with But also, kids. if I ever hear a baby crying on a plane, I just feel like sorry for the mum mm. or the dad, mm. usually mm. the mum, as you usually say. Um, because nobody wants that for their child. No. It's mm. very, like it's, it's a not very rare person that's going to be like, oh, whatever, who cares? Yeah, I'm torn because I've had times on planes where, <laughs> especially in society today on my recent trip, I look at how parents parent children and I go, kids rule their parents. Yeah, it's a bit mm. of that. Kids have all the snacks. Kids stay up all night on a plane. Kids have all the iPads. Kids mm. treat their parents like crap. And it's it's really confronting to watch yeah. kids and adults on a plane together. That's so but interesting. But at the same time, we that's life and that's what it is. And I think that we shouldn't be trying to segregate groups more than we already segregate oh, groups. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah. And oh, there's so much in what you've just said. I would say iPads on a plane, 100%. iPads in a restaurant, no way. That's another conversation. Mm. Mm. My judgy, judgy <laughs> parenting. Yeah, yeah, judgy, yeah. Judgy, judgy you need a good story. Kids on planes mm. give you good stories as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. Right? <laughs> but, but, I mean, all, all, all things aside... Oh Lord, it's unpleasant when a kid kicks off in a plane or a small enclosed space. <laughs> or and I mean, no, that's not fun for anyone. Yeah. Although mm. saying that, I was on a plane the other day and I had a big man push his seat mm. back mm. into my area. Hate that. Yeah, and that's probably more annoying than being kicked in the back by a little kid that you can turn around and give a scowl to to scare them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. If, if I'm honest, I've I've kicked the back of someone's seat in a plane to get them to straighten it up and On that purpose. was only about 15 years ago. So, <laughs> so you were just a I, child. I was like 30. Yeah. Have you ever had, I, I had on a recent plane trip, um, oh, this is weird, so I had I was sitting where I was sitting. Someone next to me on the on my right. I was in the middle seat. Then the other three seats in the middle were a family, and they had two kids. 
and the mum and they kept rotating the seat next to me. So I'm trying to sleep and there was a little girl there at one stage, and then she's gone, and then the mum's sitting there, and then the boy, the brothers, members just kept swapping. And I'm like, "What's going on? Is this like the fun seat that you all get to come and hang out in, while you're sick of hanging out with someone else?" And it was it was kind of weird because I didn't really know what to do. It was like, "Oh, hello, new person." <laughs> and also, if I'm trying to watch, you know, some raunchy show, oh yeah, and all of a sudden, I'm not G-rated. A, there's a five year old sitting next to me watching my show. <laughs> That's something I had never, ever considered, but oh my goodness, yes. Mm. Oh, I think mm. we've kind of hit the nail on the head, though, really, that travelling on a plane in particular is a privilege, but it's a real combined effort, you know, mm. like there's yeah. a real community sense to it. Absolutely. And you're not, you can't just decide that you're in a little bubble because you've got to share everything with everyone. And that's, you know, it's the bus you can't get off. (laughs) Attention passengers, we've now reached our destination. We hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day. How are you going to top last week, Ray? Because with Dracula Daily. Oh. I've been getting so into it. I've read so many. I'm loving it. I'm all. I'm ready for the Moby Dick one now. Um, so you better be bringing the gold this week. That's a hard oh, one. Oh, the to pressure's talk. on. Um, <laughs> well, as a, as a fellow audio technician lady, um, you might be quite into this one. And I, I noticed because this is, of course, the No Book Book Club. Mm-hmm. A few eyebrows were raised when I brought into the room something that does closely resemble a book. Yeah, it looks a lot like a book it from does. here. It's got uh, pages and mm-hmm. a cover and a spine and a picture on the front and a spine and it has words on it. And it's all appearances. So it is called H, A Love Story. And it's basically um, a love letter, a biography about heroin and homelessness in Ah. Australia. It is actually a photographic essay. So I'm opening the book for everyone. But it's got a couple of tiny words here and there, but it's all beautiful photographs, really gritty. Mm. um, And it comes with a QR code that you scan and you get about 25 minutes of of audio. Oh, so beautifully cool. curated wow. sound design that you flick through the pages of the book while you while listen. listening. I love that. I love and that. Interactive. It contains what we, we call in the biz Atmo, um, which <laughs> is... Atmos? At, yeah, or Atmos. Oh, I don't know we're dropping Atmos. the S. I think we're dropping the S now. No. Oh, maybe it was in just my university. Yeah. Um, so it's it's got um, beautiful atmospherics that have been captured from street corners and buildings and things like that, as well as a whole range of there's voiceovers. Um, so uh, the whole story is about um, a married couple, Troy and Cheryl, who have had terrible heroin addictions for much of their lives. They've been together for over 25 years. They've collectively been homeless for more than a decade and um, they've you know, very graciously submitted to be interviewed. They've told their stories. They've um, taken the producer, Ali MC, out to various places where they've lived and slept and the, you know, dark corners and the streets where they'd score and all that kind of stuff. So there's a whole audio journey that comes with it and it's incredibly immersive. Like it's Mm. like no book you've ever read. There's probably only about 150 words in the whole thing Mm. um, to actually physically read, but it's all just complete sound. 
sound. You've got the visuals as you page through it, um, and it's just completely immersive. You you knock the whole thing over in 20, 25 minutes, and it's a really beautifully told, respectfully told story. I love that. So it looks like a, a book. It talks like a book, but it's not kind of quite a book. Isn't that fascinating? So where did you come across this? I had a little press release hit my inbox and and I thought, well, funds raised by purchases of the book is going to a homeless charity. So uh-huh. I hopped on the website and paid full clip for it yeah. and um, got onto it. And I'm just like, oh, no, actually, this is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, ACME, the Australian mm-hmm. Centre for the Moving oh, yeah. Image, has got something to do with it. So they're either hosting the audio or you can buy copies of it there. Um, and so it's it's about, it's very brand new. I think it's only been out for about three weeks. And it's a really terrific, very Melbourne story. Mm. Yeah. Love that. From the point of view that people are creating things that they present something in an Mm. unexpected way or Mm. you you approach it thinking you're going to get something out of it that you are predicting and yet then you come away with this other experience. And um, the other thing that comes to mind was the Roan exhibition, which was on a little mm. while ago in in Flinders Street yes. Station, which I don't know I if missed you went out. to. I know I've missed both of them, and I'm really angry at myself yeah. for missing them because they look so fantastic. Well, the interesting thing about them is they're like an installation mm. um, where the artist Roan comes in and creates these spaces that mm. are they're all produced. Like you go into this old you know, building and you expect what you're looking at is the original kind of items and the the layer and it's Mm, not. It's mm. all produced like a film. Mm. So it's actually like being in a film because you've got this music and this whole experience. So from, you know, when I went to that, I I was really blown away by I was expecting it to just be an exhibition that you walk through and it was like an historical kind of representation, but it wasn't. It was this immersive thing and that that's amazing to be able to do that with a book Mm. yeah yeah or book shape yes a book shape (laughs) and is the is the audio that comes with it when you say is it like soundscape so is it street sounds and um music as well or just there is but it's kind of um it's very sound designed music, okay, you know, yep. it's it's single slow yep. notes or it's yep. whatever. It's very complementary to the voiceover, which is probably the primary element. Mm. Um, but there'll be a little bit of voiceover and then you might flick through six pages of photography and you'll get the atmos for those different scenes and things. Yep. So it really follows a theme like it, it wasn't difficult to follow at all. Yeah. yeah you yeah. just gently turn the pages, gently turn the pages and it, it all travels with you. So, yeah. I love that. Mm. I love that we're doing more stuff like that. You know, it's yeah. because we look at the way, I mean, we do audio books now, like we were talking mm. about last week, where we have audio books and we're hearing words, but creating, building more of a story around it rather than it just being listening to something that's accessible is such a more beautiful way to tell the story. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and really... Um, Measured, you know, mm-hmm. like you, it's not that you could just put the soundscape on and do the washing, you know, like you have to no, pick up really the book and actually book. go yeah. through the photos, and it's that whole bringing all your senses together. It's really yeah. clever, and it's an interesting narrative too because it's you're hearing the voices of Troy and Cheryl, mm. and they're telling their stories, and there's there's shots of you know a hand or a shoulder or a bit of an arm, but it is mostly 
the, the sites around them and mm. you don't really get a visual picture of them until right at the very, very, very end of it and you go, oh, so that's what they look like. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I, I suspect that's been done quite deliberately yeah. um, to let their story come to the forefront without any preconceptions mm, about what they mm. look like. So there's there's a few really lovely devices within that to sort of keep you focused on the tail rather than the person. Mm. I think it's interesting too that it's about heroin in that, I don't know, 20 years ago we had train spotting mm. um, and sort of anything that was to do with heroin users or drug addicts, it was very derogatory. Mm. Yeah. You know, mm. it was it was the criminals, it was a bad scene and I mean obviously it's not it's mm. not great, but they're people and mm. celebrating their life and yeah. the and the struggles and difficulties exactly. that they've been through is really that's really making, interesting as well. Making yeah. them feel accepted rather than ostracized for mm. what they their path has been in life. It's not necessarily their fault. Giving them a voice just because their life has gone in a different yeah. direction, it doesn't make them a bad drug user necessarily. They've got a story as well. Mm. And maybe the way to help people that get in those situations is to celebrate them more yeah. rather than push them away and pigeonhole them into something that they bad might not people. be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a bit of knowledge is a, is a very good thing for the mm. most part. Yeah. Knowledge yeah. is power. Mm. Oh. Yeah. I mean, mm. cliche central, but it's very mm. true. And, and this is a really um, illustrative way of walking just a few steps in other people's yeah. shoes and having a, mm. a bit more of an understanding around, you know, the issues that people who aren't heroin users mm. might see and not really know how to respond to, such as, you know, injecting rooms, um, yes, you yeah, know, in various topical. locations around Melbourne, which cause an absolute raging shitstorm, even though they save lives and exactly. we need them. Yeah, um, yeah a bit and, of NIMBY on that one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, the, the NIMBYs should, you know, ideally be reading uh, um, or participating in the these yeah. kind of narratives because they would have a, a quite different understanding. It, do, mm. it does shape your view mm, in totally. a really positive way. The no Books Book Club. Okay, so <laughs> you've just <laughs> brought something beautiful and amazing and... <laughs> Well researched. <laughs> and I am bringing the McDonald's. Um, so I wanted to talk about the series just like that today in our podcast. Yes. I'm okay with this. Uh, <laughs> this is Sex and the City Grown Up, right? Yes. It's on Binge or Foxtel and I really wanted to get rid of my Binge subscription but I was like, I really have to watch this before I get rid of it. Um, and they do that to you. They trick you into just bringing out something that you might, oh, I'll just watch that and then all of a sudden you've got, had it for another six months. So... I watched Sex and the City when it came out at the time. Now, I remember Best watching it, but I wasn't, like, crazy into it. Oh. I had a friend at the time who I think was channeling Carrie, like just <laughs> just wanted to be her, couldn't see anything wrong with her character. I was always Gosh. like, oh, yeah, that's not right. That's not quite good. vile. Anyway, um, we'll get into that. So this show is pretty funny because they brought it back what, like 15 years after the other one yeah, ended? Yeah, I think. So we're into the second season now, but the first season, it was kind of like the characters so who we'd grown to love over how many years. You know, they're in New York. I'm sure everyone knows what Sex and the City was about. But the first season of this, and just like that, 
it was like the characters had been living in a cave mm. and had not mm. progressed with time mm. in any way, shape or form and were making all these, like, terrible racial um, misseps and, you know, it was all about wokeness mm. and um, And I felt like it was ticking every diversity it, oh, box, it didn't it? Absolutely. Like they had to pack it all in. <laughs> trying to pack it, it right in. Trying mm. so hard. Mm. And it just landed in this clunky terrible way where people were going what's happened to these rich intelligent women who were these characters who were lawyers and you know ran galleries and stuff and now they they can't even <laughs> appear in public without just being completely moronic anyway so we all fumbled through the first season going oh, I don't know about that but this second season, I have written to myself, it felt to me like eating a sausage McMuffin every day. There was that wonderful, Yum. satisfying thing while you were having it and then afterwards like a bit of a disgusting feeling and a bit of mild regret. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they've nailed it. The second one? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, I don't even know where to begin. It's just worked. Okay. You've both given me hope because I watched the first one and I've refused to watch the second one. So I feel like I need to renew my binge subscription for one month. Yeah. <laughs> and just knock it just off. knock it off. Well, it tr- interestingly, like, so they're in their mid-50s. They've got, you know, late teen children or adult children, the ones that had kids. Carrie um, is dealing with living by herself again. And mild spoiler alert, Aiden comes back, mm. right? So Aiden was her first love. And I just feel like everyone's just been recycled. There's the token gay yeah. characters, there's yeah. a there's a gay love interest, which is a bit kind of hammy and oh, I dunno. Yeah, but it, it I, I agree with you, they're still they're still trying to kind of tick a lot of boxes mm. and make it uh, relevant, if you like. But I did feel that it had it had slowed down a lot, yeah, and it, it felt like it fitted a lot better in with the original series. Um, I'm not sure what it was. There was just a few storylines, a few conversations here and there that some of the having that felt like they could have come from those original yeah. series. Yeah, and whether they got a different writer, I don't know what it is, but it it just felt more. Grounded. Grounded. (laughs) I have noticed on TikTok, though, a lot of commentators around this second series actually think the big love story is Charlotte and Harry, the true, you know, long-lasting, resounding Sex in the City love story is them. But even that has its holes because I love that story. Yeah. I really think it's beautiful and and I love that it's about two people that find each other. But I also still think it plays on that beautiful girl and the short bald yes. man story. Yeah, yes, and you can still see that play off a lot in their relationship, even when they're at home. And oh, I don't know; it's still a bit icky. It still mm. gives me the ick a little bit, even though <laughs> it is a beautiful kind of relationship they have that they've built throughout the show. Such a good discussion. I love that you've just been watching it through TikTok. Yeah. yeah. People's reactions. <laughs> I've seen so many spoilers on TikTok. What about the – can we talk about the jacket? Oh, yeah. Which jacket? The jacket uh, that Aiden wears. Oh. He appears in the yes. – when he first appears, he has this horrific 
jacket on and there's been so there's been like an article See, written I about it. Really got into the social media of it. I've just been binging it myself. So oh. it's really interesting that you've been getting the scoop on what people I mean, yeah. I actually think bringing Aiden back is weird anyway. There, Him in his there was underwear supposed was to be too this much. Like, chemistry between them, you know, they should never have parted, all the blah, blah. I just didn't feel it. It just felt forced and... Why? Yeah. You know what else I have a problem with bringing him back? It It's clearly just a... I like it because I like having him back in yeah. the show. He was because a great character. He was a great character. But in the same time, at the same time, why can't she just be alone? Well, this is what I was mm. going to say. That very end, and I won't do a spoiler mm. alert, but in the end of the whole mm, season, mm. it really comes down to the fact that all of them are paired up or they've all gone. Like mm, there's only mm, one of them mm. that, that has decided to, to go off by herself. It, that whole narrative of you're not complete unless you have a man, mm, even mm. if you have to wait for him or whatever. Yeah, totally. It was just so... Just sad for fifty-something-year-old women. I really don't buy that yeah. they would be like, "Yeah, okay, no, my life's not complete without that dude." Mm. What? Mm. No, mm. no. There's one more thing I have to bring up about it, and yeah. that is the. I could talk about it for two hours. Oh, honest, good. Seriously, let's just talk quickly about Carrie as mm. a character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really could never warm to her because no, she was she... so selfish, yep. and while the whole thing was about her writing this column about sex in the city, what has been shown up about her and that in this series is how ridiculous she's so prudish and she won't, mm, like, mm. I I do not like talking about sex much, I, you know, even though I did a whole podcast about is, it. Yeah. Um, but she's doing a podcast of sex in the city and she's asked to do an ad for a vagina cream and she won't do it. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, in the she show. won't talk yeah. about vagina. Mm. Like, what are you going to talk about in, mm. your, yeah. in your sex and the city column? Like, isn't it literally in your job description there, sweetheart? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But so much about her character is just really off the mark. I'm, And yet she's celebrated, and I really struggle with that. Mm. I am a sex and the city tragic. Yep. I reckon I've watched every episode, I'm not exaggerating, over 100 times. Okay. Like Amazing. I, you are the expert. I love it. I, love I think it. it's one of the most – the first season especially, I love the format. It was made this way where the men in the show would talk to the camera and there's That's a lot of that. Right. And it was quite – I really That's loved right. the original format. It was really format. different, wasn't it? Was it was different. Yeah. 20-minute episodes. I loved everything about it. But Carrie, I can never forget she always could always found her really selfish too. And I could never forget this one – time in one of the episodes where she breaks up with Aiden and he had bought their apartment and the place next door and were renovating it and he basically gives her an eviction notice and says you need to come up with the money to buy me out or basically you're out and she sulks about it for days and whinges to all her friends about it and Charlotte doesn't offer to give her the money for the down payment oh, I and she berates her about yes. it and makes her feel awful and it's one of the most painful carry moments because it just totally shows how awful she is, but it's one of the most beautiful um, Charlotte, Charlotte moments, moments because she she stands up for herself in this really incredible way and was like, it's not my problem. It's not my problem that you don't have the money and you haven't looked after yourself. And it's this, it's a really amazing scene, but it just... It, 
just made me go, Carrie, no. But maybe mm. that was the whole intention then of the whole series mm. was to use her as a vehicle mm. to mm. let the other characters come out. But, but I just know so many people that love the show and have her up on this pedestal. No, nah, never. No. But she's just rotten. Flaw, flaws and all. <laughs> I mean, it makes for interesting viewing when people are just a little bit cooked. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know the, the more messed up the characters are, often the more fun it is. Yeah, yeah. that is true. I and actually, the ones that you hate the most are often the ones that you end up loving at the end. Mm. I actually quite like a lot of the new characters they brought in. I thought they were quite good. Mm. Probably Seema, that woman Seema, I thought she was quite yeah, good. And she's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, Carrie was definitely a character that was sort of designed to be very complex and, oh, I'm in my feelings mm. and I'm a bit complicated and all that kind of stuff. And I've got a million friends like that. <laughs> Fantastic. Good good to be around. Um, but, yeah, they really went ham on a lot of her wildly judgmental stuff. Like she was really judgy towards people sexually as well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Again, fascinating for a Sex in the City columnist. Yep. You're right. I'd well never thought about that. She maybe, was being toxic as shit. Yeah. You know? Maybe yeah. Michael Patrick King, who's the writer, but maybe there was a whole thing in his head that was kind of a spoof and a twist and that she was deliberately supposed to be like that. It's kind of a a way to twist her character and confuse viewers and make us talk about the fact that, yeah, she's a sex and city columnist, but she doesn't even... Like, Samantha's a person, right, who should mm, be... Yeah, sexy. exactly. So, yeah. you know, maybe there's that twist deliberately mm. in it. Yeah, and the other thing that really stood out in this season in particular was the privilege. Mm, yeah. You know, Absolutely. I mean, I know the whole thing was about celebrating New York and these, you know, single women in New York and their experience, but now they're in their 50s and they are all dripping with cash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are invited to, you know, the most prestigious kind of events in, in the city and they've all got a brand new outfit on every single scene. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not one kind of ounce of reality of life mm. in this. And then yeah, Carrie Carrie does her podcast and her Sex in the City column and obviously she's inherited a lot of money. But, like, there was never any question about how she was paying for anything apart from the example you just gave. Well, that's right. And But when you think about it, the only two women who were self-made in that show were Miranda because she worked hard mm-hmm. as a lawyer mm. and supported Steve and the family. Yeah. Yep. And then Samantha. Mm. Okay, so. so we can agree that we love it. It's a tasty little treat that you feel <laughs> a little bit dirty afterwards. Mm. Pretty cool fashions, though. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's a whole yeah. other thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole... For another day. <laughs> Beck, what are you bringing to the table? Well, I want to talk a little bit about music this Ooh, week. Good. Um, which many people will know is probably my favourite topic in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you ladies, but I purchased this week tickets to see Shaka Khan and Noel Rogers and oh, Sheik. That is really cool. And I've seen Noel Rogers and Sheik many times. I've always wanted to see Shaka Khan. It's like, this is amazing. This is an experience. Mm. I never thought in my lifetime I would probably get to see Shaka Khan. And I've noticed sort of since COVID that the thing we don't talk about, rather, I've noticed since the thing we don't talk about, mm, we talk about <laughs> it, that a lo- we're getting all these incredible bands and musicians yeah. and artists come to our country and play their number one album from the 90s or yeah. play at this music festival, play at this small venue, all this eclectic, popular, just everything. 
and I'm, it's been too much because I'm like, I want to buy tickets to everything and <laughs> I can't really leave up. It's really expensive And Al- Elton John's doing his third tour when he said he'd finish years ago. You oh, know, is he? He's coming back. I think, well, he came back this year, didn't he? Uh, I think, yeah, he was back recently. Yeah, well, yeah, recently, yeah. It's amazing and I'm loving it. Yeah. And it reminded me of something that I saw recently online and as many of our listeners will know and you ladies will know, there's an incredible music festival run out the back of Geelong every year called Meredith Music Festival. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a institution and you take your couch and there's one <laughs> stage. You leave it there. <laughs> you leave it there. And it's been going for years and it's it's one of those. Do a nude mud the slide. Nude, the yeah. gift, the Meredith gift, which is the nude run on the third day. <laughs> and then they started another festival, Golden Plains. But basically Meredith has been one of those incredible experiences that especially Victorian people and Melbourne people know about and go to every year. And it's one of those moments where you spend three days with your friends and you see all this incredible music. And during COVID, we lost Meredith because Mm. we couldn't go to gigs and we couldn't do all those fun things. And people started writing love letters to Meredith about how they missed Meredith. So... The first Meredith that we missed was 2020. And what happened is people started emailing Meredith or writing on like the Facebook page and started saying how I wish I was there this weekend, this happened, and little stories and memories and snapshots from their times of Meredith over the years sort of to bring the festival back to life, if you like, that mm. wasn't happening at that time. Anyway, I found I found this online recently and it's basically just a whole trail of emails and posts of people talking about why they wanted to go there and what they missed the most. So I wanted to share a couple of them because they're really beautiful. This one's from Jessica. Subject, we miss you, 8th of (laughs) December 2020. So that probably would have been the Friday night or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's usually that first weekend in December, isn't it? People also call Meredith Auntie Meredith. So it's kind of like they treat the festival like, you know, a loved auntie or loved Mm. family. Yeah, so it starts off, dearest auntie, We miss you so bloody much. December and now March just doesn't feel the same without seeing you. I miss your music, trees, good vibes, meeting strangers, all your wonderful volunteers, dressing up, dancing with you on your green grass till it turns to dust. Adventures at all hours of the morning, pink flamingos riding on the eye, the weird cinema that I had a love and hate relationship with, even your composting toilets. I miss all of you. And it goes on and it's... Just this, I guess just the feeling and the memory that yeah. they're, of the missing and wanting to share it. I've only been to Meredith once. Yeah. And it is really different to mm. other music festivals because yeah. it's on a farm, isn't yeah. it? it's on a farm. And it's a natural amphitheatre. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this kind of space that just lends itself really beautifully to a crowd being able to see over the top of each other. And yeah. then there's yeah. like the camp where everyone camps and if you're luxurious enough, you might bring a camper van or a yeah, something yeah, or Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's a whole experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I went, it rained the entire time. I've been to a couple of them. But it was very funny because we woke up on the Sunday morning having not really slept because yeah. it was like dance doof going on right throughout the night <laughs> <laughs> and we were soaked to the core mm. and we took one look at each other and went, we're going home. <laughs> So we had one day and one night around it. So I think I'm like, yeah, I've been scarred because everyone loves this thing. And I can see why. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've had times there in the rain and I still love it. But 
Yeah, I can understand that. It was just not the right time <laughs> no. for you at the time. Yeah. So this page, we'll have to share this page mm. um, because yeah. it's so beautiful, but there's just so many incredible stories and moments. I mean, that's the thing with festivals too, Yeah. that shared experience where mm. everybody yeah. is best mm. mates. On yeah, the- <laughs> exactly. At the time. This is a personal favourite. I'm just going to read out quickly because there's a very cute photo, which is not very audible, but we'll explain. (laughs) Dear Auntie Meredith, just a quick note to thank you for your wonderful festival. We named our two-year-old daughter after the festival as it brings fond memories of friendship and happiness. All the best for this and future years. Maybe Meredith will want to go to the festival in years to come and we'll, of course, be encouraging her. Thanks again, M and J. And there's a photo of a little baby. Called Meredith. Called Meredith. And I just thought that was so beautiful. Yeah. And it really shows just the whole page. It's rather a blog, I guess. It's sort of a blog. Yeah, I think that that blog really just expresses how much people missed music Mm. and what it gave them during that time. Mm. And it's so nice to see it all coming back. And, I mean, Meredith just sold out shows that people are still going. Well, people have gone bananas for Mm. live music. And, and as you say, like the the lineup of – artists yep. that are touring is just out of control. Mm, mm. But is it they're trying to capitalise on, on making a dollar because they missed a few years? I'm okay with that. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> I don't care. But is yeah. it also just that that zest for life yeah. and that yeah. thing of, oh, well, we could just sit at home and polish our Ferraris or we could get back out there and play the music to oh. the people Yep. And mm. enjoy it. Better than watching Aiden in a weird coat on. <laughs> I need to go back and see that weird coat. I really, I didn't notice it, which makes me You'll wonder about what's in my mind. cupboard. You'll lose your mind when you Google it and look at it and go, oh, that. Oh, oh okay. Aiden in the weird coat. Mm. It, I think this, um, you know, Meredith thing is really wonderful because live performance oh, mm. yeah. gigs are just, they just bring such a sense of community. Even if you go to a gig by yourself, you end up yeah. in the pit making friends. Yeah. All the other bogans in there, or whatever, or everyone's trying to avoid standing behind the centre pole at the corner hotel. Yes, yes. um, I'm stoked to see gigs back at the velocity that they are, and um, you always come home from a festival with way too many stories. Oh, Uh some good, some bad, some never to (laughs) be repeated. Some to come later. (laughs) Always one about the toilets. I'm going to link our music chat into our moan zone. Oh. To finish up our episode. Are you going to moan about camping in the rain? Uh, no, no, no. I think I already did that. No, I'm going to moan about the fact that my favourite band from the 90s was Blur. Yep. And I really thought I was going to marry Damon Albarn, the lead singer <laughs> from Blur. But Blur have just released a new album, first one in oh, years. And... There was a really big build-up to it. They just did a re- like a huge show at Wembley. I was just like watching clips of it kind of as it was happening on Twitter and it was amazing. I was like, this is so, I really wish I was there because it was fantastic. Like, you know, they played all their old songs and, um, you know, it was like the playlist and all that. And anyway, they've got their new album that's just come out. So living out in the burbs as I do, I went to my local record shop which is the big yellow one. And they don't stock that many CDs anymore because mm. I really wanted to get a hard copy of it. I didn't want to download it because mm. I don't like oh. listening to music that way. I've still got a CD player. I love that And I still, yeah. and I've still got, got a record, record player. player. Yeah. And I was like, Same. do I I'll fork out the 60 bucks for the vinyl, you know. I went in there 
And it was a few days after it had been released. And I said to one of the women working there, um, it's called The Ballad of Darren, which is funny too, the album. <laughs> I was like, I have you got the new Blur album. Well, it was like I had asked for the latest Barry Manilow. <laughs> like she had no, like she could not have looked at me with any more disdain than she did. <laughs> like it, it was quite funny. I was like, excuse me, this is the biggest Britpop band in the world. Totally. New album. Pivotal. Came 20, out 20 like years ago. a few days ago. This is not, you know, I'm not asking for something obscure here. Mm. They didn't have it. I still don't have it, but I have to go to a a good record store and get (laughs) Get myself a copy of it (laughs) soon. But, yeah, I'm grumpy because I really miss the days of CDs. I miss them. I Mm. I really hate this world we have now where everything is just a click of a button online. Mm. You don't get that tactile feeling of, Mm. you know, pulling out the booklet. You don't necessarily listen to the tracks in the order they're meant to be listened to. And you don't have that joy of going to your CD collection and looking through. It's like books where you mm. go, I know it's got a green spine. Yeah, yeah. And you flick, 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 yeah. flick through mm. them and, you you know, like I've got tonnes of CDs I'll probably never listen to again, but I can't bear to get rid of them because mm. they, the physical kind of yep. object is really important to me. I recently just... I have kept all my CDs over the years and mm. I had about a thousand because I used to work for a community radio station and I was the assistant music director. So our jobs were to get all the music and go through them and the boxes and we got free CDs Take, from oh, all the record companies. Free like, CDs. I got like the first Justin Bieber CD ever Ooh. that came out. Anyway, You're I... Like, this guy's got something. I think yeah. we're onto something. Oh, we didn't play him. <laughs> <laughs> So I kept all my CDs because I'm convinced they're going to be worth something one day because tapes are coming back, cassette tapes, right? So I was home recently and mum said, can you, because I've I've kept them at home for as long as they've just, there's stuff, everyone's got stuff at their parents' house, right? Mm. Mum says, can you please take all your CDs back? I was like, oh, here we go. So I've brought them all back to Melbourne and I pulled them out of the box the other day and stacked them all and I had the best time going through them all, remembering this one, remembering that song, remembering yeah. that band, remembering that it. album. Looking at the $30 stickers on them as well. $30 the stickers ones that you actually should be able bought. to get like five yes. for 100 or something. So the expensive. beautiful ones that were made out of like cardboard yes. or like a beautiful little vinyl yes. album almost. Yes. And I have actually been looking online this week to buy a CD player so that I can yeah. play them yeah. because I don't want them just sitting there and – they're much. I have vinyl because everyone's got vinyl, you know, who loves music because of the sound. So instead of playing Spotify or whatever you want to play, why don't you play your beautiful CD that's better quality? But the quality? CD is better quality Always. anyway. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'm so on board for physical music yeah. because so much stuff is subscription-based and you mm-hmm. never really own it or, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, I never found out what the outcome of it was, but quite some years ago, uh, Bruce Willis, for whatever reason, read the terms and conditions of the Apple iTunes library and you can't bequeath your music to anyone. Once you die, your library dies with you. 
And he <gasps> he's like, I've got the time, I've got the money, I'm going to take you turkeys to court and see if we can get that Bruce term and Willis. condition overturned. Oh, my God, and I never, this is brilliant. Yeah, I never heard the outcome of it, but he was like, that is ridiculous. I've got the most amazing music collection. I want to leave it to my kids or, you know, my family or whatever. Oh, in his Apple... In like, his Apple library, yeah. yeah. right. Yeah, so... Um, I thought brilliant. you meant, like, the songs that he'd put out, because he has put out a song, I He think, has put he? out a song, but no, <laughs> he meant his whole, his whole, whole music he, collection, yeah, which, and what, which, which is he digital. bought. It paid money for. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a little bit fond of a bit of a, um, a physical relic, because oh, I've been buying vinyl again. I bought the latest King Gizzard. Yeah. Gizzard. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've got some Nick Cave stuff on order. I've got Ghostine. I've picked but up some Rage Against the Machine. To you mention know? the fact that the artists then get more money mm-hmm. for what they're putting out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're actually paying them for what they're producing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that just feels better too. Yeah, oh, always. I mean, I buy... I've got a lot of music I've bought off iTunes, a lot. I buy a lot of actual songs, mm. If but there's something beautiful about people forget that an album is put together a certain yes. way and it's produced and it's got a song the order, order for yeah. a reason. It's a story, you know, and yeah. you need to sit down and put that CD on and listen to it in order or put that vinyl on and listen mm. to it in order and that tells you that story and don't touch it. And it's the impatience that we have as humans now where, oh, we want to go to the next song, oh, we're going to do this. It's like, no, no, sometimes music in its single form is meant to be listened to in long form and that's mm. part of what it is. Just bringing the CD back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bringing the CD back. I mean, back. she's awful and you're, you're allowed to be grumpy <laughs> yeah. at her for not knowing who Thank Blur you. was. Thank you. <laughs> I feel vindicated. I'm glad I brought it to the moan zone. <laughs> So that was episode two of the No Book Book Club podcast with Beck, Sess and Ro. If you've got something that has really bothered the heck out of you and you want to add it to the moan zone, or if there's something that you would really like us to riff on, send us an email at nobookbookclub at gmail.com and we'll see if we can sniffle it out. Maybe you've got a copy of Blur's new album CD for Sess that <laughs> yeah, you can you email just us. drop it off. <laughs> don't email. I don't want an email. I want the whole Post it. Sorry. Yeah, I want the real thing. Oh. <laughs>